is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Think about where you grew up. Is that building still standing? Can you see it if you were to walk by? Or has it been turned into something else entirely, like shops or restaurants or a parking lot? What do you miss from that time, and how do you process that loss? Well, these questions and moments of joy are explored in We Grown Now. It's a film centering the experiences of 10-year-old boys growing up in the Cabrini-Green housing project and dealing with lots of change and uncertainty. Now, this was before the buildings, which thousands of people called home, were demolished. Minhal Baig wrote and directed We Grow Now, and it'll be screened tonight at the Chicago International Film Festival. Minhal, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Sasha. How does it feel to have your film screened on opening night? It's pretty incredible. Um, It feels like a homecoming since we filmed the movie here and there's so many cast and crew that are all local. So I think it'll be a very warm, warm welcome. Yeah. I I love that you say homecoming because I I know you grew up in Chicago. So uh, let's hear more about your upbringing. So I grew up in Rogers Park, actually. Um, and my family bought their first home there. Um, first home my, my father bought after he immigrated to the U S and it's still with my family. It was actually that home and what happened to it is sort of the, the seed of where the story came from. Mm -hmm. Well, what drew you to, to making this film and, and why Cabrini Green specifically? So when my father passed, I moved back to Chicago um, and back after a long time away with my family. And this was after the last of the towers was already demolished. That was in 2011. Okay. Um, And I was wrestling with, at the time, what home meant to me now that my father was gone. And I wanted to explore that theme of what home meant, especially when the physical, you know, the geography has changed. Um, And I was connected with people who had formerly lived in the Cabrini Green high rises. Mm -hmm. And so one interview led to another. And then that's that process started in 2018 of speaking with people who lived in the high rises and you know, there, what was exceptional about it was just this was a community that persisted uh, long after the high rises had been demolished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and their perspective of home was very unique to me. I love that. You know, spoiler alert at, at the end of the film. Well, not really. You show text on screen and it says a place is the people. And I remember hitting pause for a couple of minutes, Minal, just to sit and, and think about that phrase. And to reflect on my own life. So I'm curious what it means to you and your own living experiences. A place is the people. I spent 16 years away from Chicago. I'd I'd left in when I went away to go to college and then um, lived in L.A. for some time in Seattle. And I think I'd, you know, been moving and migrating, trying to find a sense of home. And it was only in the process of making this film and realizing what home meant to a community um, that doesn't have their physical home anymore mm-hmm. um, that that sort of changed my perspective on Chicago and coming back and starting to reestablish 
those relationships and my friendships and family, all of that that still exists here. Um, and it took a very long time to understand what that meant because I think I was always searching for it. And then when I finally came back to Chicago, it just felt like the first place that I had been, you know, I'm able to really be myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like I had sort of an opposite uh, experience. My family moved to Toronto when I was in elementary school and we lived in one of four high rises that were all sort of together in one court. And I made great friendships there. I saw a lot of things. There was a lot of joy. There was a lot of community gatherings that I still remember today. And there was crime. Right. And when I go back to Toronto, those buildings, they're still there. Right. Some slight renovations, but for the most part, everything looks the same. And thinking further back to my childhood home in Jamaica, which is where I was born, that's still there. It's tiny, <laughs> but it's still there. Right. Wow. So I'm curious then, you know, if you can expand your, your earlier point, what you think the overall loss of Cabrini Green is like for the people who used to live there? Because I can't imagine what it's like having memories, but you can't quite see them in the physical form anymore. Yeah, I think memory is made more tangible when you can see how it, you know, the the effect that time has on places and physical, you know, just there's physical landmarks of it. Um, but in the case of Cabrini Green, the high rises are all gone. The yeah. community and the people that I interviewed, you know, they there's a complicated relationship with this with this place that they called home. Because while it's true that Cabrini Green, you know, was a place there was plenty of crime and there was the drug trade um, and there was obviously gun violence, um, this, it was also home. And I think that that's what the film is really looking to explore, to see Cabrini Green through a different perspective that's maybe not the dominant cultural narrative about this place. Um, because I think that one of the, one of the things I wanted to get across in the film was that in order for us to understand this loss, we really need to feel like we really need to understand what this place meant and why these children at the center of the story love this place. Um, yeah, because we, we can only really feel that loss once we learn, once we, we experience what it's like to lose something we love. The film set in 1992. So paint that picture for the folks who weren't around back then or, or didn't live there. What was happening? In 1992, that that year is, is significant for a lot of reasons. But the reason why the film is set during that time is because over the course of many interviews that I did, um, the name Dandrell Davis came up uh, many times. And Dantrell was, he was a seven-year-old child who was shot and killed as he was walking to school in Cabrini Green. And while Dantrell was not the only child that was killed in Cabrini Green or in Chicago that year, it was significant. It was a tragedy that deeply rocked the community and the city. Mm -hmm. And it's it's shown in the film what happens in the aftermath of that. But yeah, you didn't depict that violence on screen. Yeah, we we very the filmmaking team felt very strongly about making sure that 
the way in which we're depicting violence, like that's certainly there and it was in the community at the time. But we, we, you know, the perspective of the film, it's it's very rooted in these kids. And while these kids are growing up fast, we also wanted to make sure that we're not, you know, showing things that I feel like are, are we we know what we know what that what it that is and what was more important was to show how it affects the community and how it how it changes their lives um and what happened to dentral was 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 terrible and it was that i think that it had a big impact on policy decisions and we see the reaction of the chicago housing authority and the mayor at the time um so it 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 had an it it was a very eventful year for that reason. Mm-hmm. And you tell this story from a kid's perspective, right? And this, I understand, came from those interviews that you had. Is that right? Yeah, it was. I was really struck by the stories of mattress jumping and ditching school and the day to day the slice of life experiences that people were sharing with me that again, I felt like I had heard about and knew about a little bit in my research before going into the interviews, but that really brought Cabrini green to life Mm -hmm. for me. And it was something that I hadn't seen on screen before because there was so, there was quite, you know, there was so much tragedy, but there was also a lot of joy and, yeah, you, you know, see I, a lot of it through the, the the friendship of these two 10-year-old boys. How did you find those actors? So those two kids, I mean, they're incredible. So good. Um, yes. So one of them, um, Blake Cameron James, he's from Alabama. Um, we found him through a self-tape we submitted. We saw hundreds of children over the course of a year and a half, and wow. he emerged as Malik. And then the second child, who plays Eric, Gian, he's actually from Hyde Park. He's from Chicago. And when he submitted his tape, he was only eight years old. And then a year and a half passed by, and suddenly he was old enough for the oh part. Oh, my goodness. And taller, yeah. I bet. Yes, taller, too. <laughs> and I, as soon as I saw him, I just felt like he really brings something that's so specific mm-hmm. and authentic. Like, he feels like a kid from Chicago. So, as you mentioned, you talk with lots of people in order to make this film. I, I love that you said one of the things that stood out for you was that the community persists, right? And I also love that you followed a a journalistic process for it, right? You interviewed folks who lived there uh, and some of them became your consultants. So talk more about how the process unfolded. It began in 2018. Um, I had sort of been, you know, wrestling with this theme of what, what home meant and for me personally. And then, I wanted to see it through the lens of, you know, a community. And I first read everything that I could get my hands on. And then I was taking trips to Chicago, spending a lot of time making contact with former residents. It's not exactly easy to find people who lived in Cabrini Green. Uh, You have to, it's a very person to by person basis because there's not any one directory. Um, you know, there's Facebook groups of people who lived in like the same building because all the buildings have different names. And, you know, so that's sort of how I got connected to people. And then I made, you know, 
I got in touch with two folks that really were so essential to the process of shaping this movie and mm-hmm. then, you know, became consultants on the film. The first one is Tree, um, Tremaine Johnson, who is, I met him, I think that was 2019. And he introduced me to his family and his family had lived in Cabrini Green for a very long time in different buildings and different high rise, you know, in different high rises. And they shared their stories like across decades with me. And uh-huh. so that was, that was an incredible experience. Um, and then he ended up being a consultant on the film. And then Annette Freeman, who is Dantrell Davis's mother, I was connected to her through Ben Austin, who wrote this excellent book on the rise and fall of Cabrina Green called High Risers. Yes. And he had interviewed her for the book and then put me in touch. And then Annette and I connected um, when I was in Chicago and she, I'd, I'd spoken with her several times. And then she also gave me a tour of Cabrini Green of where things were. It was like going back through time since that place is like no longer, you know, doesn't resemble anything what it was like mm-hmm. when it was in 1992. She was just walking me through the neighborhood and telling me where the schools were and where the buildings were. And it was, yeah, it was, it felt like a time capsule um, yeah. being transported back in time. And you made another interesting choice here. You focused uh, on the story of one family's decision to leave for, for safety reasons rather than them needing to leave because the building was going to get torn down. Why? I felt really, I felt that it was important to show this painful decision being a voluntary one. It's definitely a migration, you know, and it's it's difficult for the family to make this call. I know that many families wrestled with this decision. If you had the means to leave, obviously that's one, you know, that meant you had an option, but I wanted to show that it still is a, a decision to be made, that there's uh, there are reasons why people wanted to stay. And I think that that's why the decision is set in, you know, before the, the demolitions happen, because I, I didn't want it to feel like it's sort of, it's just because the buildings are being demolished. I, I wanted it to be very clear that this family and specifically Malik's mother and the mm-hmm. story has to make this choice of what, what happens when I uproot my family and potentially in a neighborhood where we may experience hostility, especially people know that we're from Cabrini Green. We mm-hmm. come from a public housing project in Chicago. That was a very real experience that a lot of people in Cabrini Green faced of not only leaving the people behind, but about, you know, setting new, like new roots somewhere else. Was there an element of catharsis for you in making the film? It was very transformative. I mean, it, I think it, there were so many times where I felt the movie wouldn't happen because it took so long to put together. Um, but then when we were finally on set, I think uh, that on the stage, when we had built the, the apartment, um, I felt the sense of like, this is an, you know, an almost impossible film that's coming together in a way, you know, that I almost couldn't have imagined and that it brought so many people together, hundreds of people who had worked on the film over years and years. And I think the thing that kept me up at night was to 
make a film that felt worthy of all the time, energy, and resources that people had shared with me, especially the members of the community. Um, and so when the film was finally finished, and now that we're screening it here um, at the Chicago International Film Festival, it feels, it, it does feel cathartic because it, it belongs to the people here. Yeah. Um, and I'm really hopeful um, and excited to see the response. Yeah, the film's recently been acquired by Sony Pictures Classic. Congratulations on that, Manal. Thank you so much. We're so excited to work with them. I think one thing that really, you know, set Sony Classics apart and one of why we're so excited to work with them is that there is such a focus on community um, and understanding that this film is meant to be a community, you know, shared in a communal way. Um, and I think that that mattered in the process of making the film and also matters in the releasing of it. That's Manal Baig, writer and director of We Grow Now, which opens the Chicago International Film Festival tonight. Thank you so much.